Hey, welcome to New River Church's podcast. We're really glad you decided to join us today, and we hope that today's message encourages you and lifts you up. If you're looking for some more information about New River Church, just check us out at newriverchurch.org. Well, hey, happy Sunday morning, everybody. Today is somewhat of a weird day because I'm recording this sermon from my basement as we all hunker down uh, riding out Hurricane Henri. And uh, I'm so sorry we had to cancel our service this morning. I tell you what, I'm really bummed, especially as I look out my window and all I see is a rainy day. So, um, but I hope that you are doing well and I pray that God blesses you today. And I pray that this message comes through just fine, even though we're recording it in my basement. <laughs> so, uh, let's pray, and then we're going to get into the Word. Today is Hebrews chapter 12, so we literally have today and next week, and then we finish this series in Hebrews, and it has been such an awesome summer. I have learned so much and loved so much about this study, and I hope you have too. Uh, so today, let's get into Hebrews 12, but first, let's pray, okay? Father God, we are asking that you would teach us. This is your word, Holy Spirit. You inspired it. So would you please teach us through it? Lord God, um, life is tough. And, and Father, sometimes we don't understand why we do the right things and then it blows up in our faces. I just ask that today, God, you would teach us and train us and mature us and... and um, do in us, Lord, what you want to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so our memory verse is Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. It says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. That's awesome. God has made promises to you and me. And he has promised that you and I will receive a rich reward. What is that rich reward? Today, we get to it in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'm so stoked to share it with you. So let's just dive right in, okay? Hebrews 12, I'm gonna start with verse, um, verse four. This is where we picked up from, we pick up from last Sunday. And it goes like this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. Endure hardship as a discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live? 
our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, he uh, afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. So, what was that about a rich reward? Did somebody say something about a rich reward? Yes, we did. So why are we talking about discipline? <laughs> well, the rich reward is actually found here. And it sets up the end of the chapter. And so it's important for us to look at it. The rich reward is found in verses 10 and 14 of the verses that we just read. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says that God disciplines us for our own good that we may share in his holiness. That's key. And then look at verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men. Make every effort to be holy. Why? because without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So the purpose of discipline is to make us holy. The rich reward is holiness. God is disciplining us so that we can share in his holiness, because if we don't have holiness, we cannot even see the Lord. So what is going on here? Two things that we need to talk about super quick. First is this. Not every discipline is a punishment. Sometimes discipline is simply a, is a good thing. Discipline is a training, you know? Um, like, like I remember a long time ago, I like this story because it's cute. But when our kids were little, we went through what I call the, the teeth brushing wars. And our children did not want to brush their teeth. And so every day it was kind of a battle where we would try to get them to brush their teeth. And one particular night before bed, we're fighting them again. And our son cried out. He was just a little guy. He cried out. He was so upset, so frustrated. He said, why, Daddy, what have I done wrong? <laughs> and I and I had to laugh. He just made me laugh. You know, he was so cute. I'm like, I was like, buddy, you, you haven't done anything wrong. Like, I'm, I'm not punishing you by making you brush your teeth. See, I'm disciplining you. I'm training you. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what, that's the kind of discipline that's being talked about here. It's a training. It's not a, dis, it's not a punishment. 
It's a training. He's disciplining us through hardship so that we can share in his holiness. Um, another example is, uh, I just saw, you've probably seen it, um, this Olympic wrestler, uh, her, her first name is Tamira, and she won the gold medal for female wrestling at the Olympics this summer. And if you've seen her interviews, like, she's the reason why we have the Olympics. Honestly, she is. She's so inspirational. You know, she's, she's there with a, an American flag draped over her shoulders, and, and she's laughing and crying at the same time because she's so filled with joy. And she's thanking God, and she thanks her husband, and she thanks her family and her friends who have supported her through all of the years of hard training and all of the discipline that she had to go through through in order to win the gold medal, but now she's got the gold medal in her hand, and all of that discipline has paid off, right? That's what discipline does. That's this kind of discipline. It's the kind of discipline that trains you so that you can get the gold medal. And what's the gold medal? Well, the gold medal is holiness. It's holiness. Go back to verse 10. He says, God disciplines us for our own good. Why? So that we might share in his holiness. And how do we, how does he discipline us? Verse 7 says, endure hardship as discipline. You catch that? So the discipline that is being used to train you for holiness is hardship. So what kind of hardship? It's important to understand that because sometimes hardship comes in our lives simply because we were boneheads and we did something wrong and now we suffer for it, right? I mean, hey, come on, we've all been there. I know that I have suffered the consequences. I have caused a lot of hardship in my life simply because I've made dumb choices. That's not the kind of hardship that's being talked about in Hebrews 12. Um, we get a clue as to what the hardship is by looking at the word endure. Do you see that in verse 7? It says, endure hardship as discipline. That word endure is actually used two other times in Hebrews chapter 12. Um, in the first six verses, you see, in, you see where in verse 2, it says that Jesus endured the cross. And then you see in verse 3, or verse 4, I think it is, where Jesus uh, endured opposition from sinful men. So Jesus endured, the hardship that Jesus endured came to him because he was being faithful to God. And that is something really hard for us to wrap our minds around because we think that, you know, obviously if I do something wrong, I should pay for that. But if I do something right, I should be rewarded for that. And yet Jesus did everything right and still suffered because he did it right. Like that's the very reason why he suffered was because he did it right, and he did it the right way. And that's really hard for us to swallow, isn't it? Um, we struggle with that one because, 
if I do, if I obey God, I feel like I should be blessed for it, not get punished for it. And yet, sometimes God allows you and me to endure hardship, just like Jesus did, so that it would develop our character and produce holiness in our lives. Isn't that something? How does it produce holiness? Well, think just real quick. Like, here's a couple of ways that we learn. Uh, Number one, we can learn from the mistakes of other people by watching them, or you read about them in books or whatever, right? People that, either people we don't know personally, we read about them in books, we see them on TV or whatever, or people we do know personally, we interact with, and we learn from their mistakes, or sometimes we even learn from their good things, and we emulate those things. But we learn from other people, and we take good notes. That's one way to learn. Second way we learn is by making our own mistakes and, uh, and learning from those, or our own successes and learning from those. That happens as well. The third way that we learn is this, by doing the right thing, doing the right way, and suffering because of it. That, my friend, opens up the door to a whole different level of development in your character that nothing else does. Because it brings me to this really important question. Why? Why am I doing the right thing? It, it actually shapes, it reveals and shapes my motives for why I do what I do. Am I doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do? Or am I doing it because I'm hoping I get a reward? I'm doing it because I want the benefits of it. Do you see how the one is actually more altruistic in a good way? Like the one is actually a deeper level of good. I'm doing it because it's the right thing to do, not just because I'm hoping to get benefits for it. And this is what God is trying to work in you and me. He doesn't want you to do the right thing simply because he tells you to do it. He doesn't want you to do the right thing simply because you're going to get blessed for it. He wants you to do the right thing because it's the right thing. And friends, that is how God operates. And this is what Hebrews 12 is saying. God disciplines us so that we might share in his holiness. What does that mean? God's holiness is the very nature of God. It's it's what makes part of what makes God God. It's what certainly what makes everything about God so good. Like his holiness is what makes everything else good. Like he's faithful and his faithfulness is good because he's holy. And God is loving, he is love, and his love is good because he's holy. And, and we can trust God because he's holy, you know. Everything about God is so good because he's so holy. And his holiness is the one thing you can't, you're, he's, I mean, you just, you aren't going to ever change from him. It's the thing we love the most about God, but it's also the thing about God um, 
quite honestly, that stands most in the way of our knowing God. Uh, because you and I are not holy, aren't we? We're mixed up and tainted and twisted and we lack integrity. And even on our best days, we're, we're, not, we're not perfect. And, and yet, how can we possibly know God and be in relationship with God if he's holy and we are not? Well, the answer is God has to produce holiness in you and me. And part of producing holiness in you and me comes in two ways. The first thing that Jesus does is he offers us forgiveness for our sins, complete forgiveness. Um, actually, this goes back to Hebrews 10, verse 14. Hebrews 10, 14 talks about Jesus and how he has perfected forever those of us who are being made holy. We're perfect and yet being made holy. And so step one, Jesus comes in, his blood comes in to your life and mine. When you ask him to forgive you of your sins, Jesus washes them away completely, cleanses them, forgives them, buries them, throws them out, they're gone. He declares you are perfect, not because you're perfect, but because he declares it, because his blood forgives your sins and pays for them and makes you completely righteous before God. Step one. Step two, you still have a lot of growing up to do, and I do too. I'm not just pointing the finger. I mean, we, we have a lot of growing up to do. How does that happen? We have to be made holy. Well, God puts you and me through discipline in order to produce holiness in our lives. And that discipline often comes at the hands of suffering hardship. And that suffering hardship often comes because you have done the right thing in the right way and suffered for it, just like Jesus did. And in doing that, you're becoming more and more and more like Jesus. And the good news there is, if you are like Jesus, now you are positioned to enjoy the rich reward that he is promising us, which is next in Hebrews chapter 12. Take a look at it. Hebrews 12, we're, going to, we're starting at verse 18. He says, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast. Uh, or to such a voice speaking words, so that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, that this was the command, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now see to it, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. 
If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, hey, once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken. That is, the created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Whoa, I love that. Love that. Our God's a consuming fire. So worship him with reverence and awe. He is so awesome. May we just be completely blown away by this God who has called us his children, who treats us as sons and daughters, and he disciplines us. He's such a good father. He wants to shape and mold and train our character and fit us for himself. Oh, what an awesome God he is. Come on, this is exciting stuff. He says, you and I are approaching these two mountains, and now the choice is yours. Which mountain will you be standing on? This is what he's saying as he comes to a close in Hebrews 12. Now, what are these two mountains? Okay, remember that Hebrews was first preached to a group of Jews. So all of these images are important to Jews, but not so much to you and me. We need to have some explanation. These two mountains he's referring to, one is Mount Sinai, and the other is Mount Zion. These are two very important figures in Jewish history. Mount Sinai is where God made his first covenant with the entire people of Israel. And it's found in Exodus chapter 19 and 20. And it is an awesome scene. I mean, awesome. Like God literally, he comes to Moses and he says, hey, Mo, I want to meet the people. And I want the people to see who I am. Okay, awesome. This is great. People finally get to meet God. Yes. And God says, you've got three days to get ready. And so literally, they take three days. They fast. They pray. They, they take baths. They wash their clothes, get haircuts. Like they literally spit shine the whole community, right? And they all come and they meet. They come to the foot of Mount Sinai, and God says, hey, listen, don't cross this line. Anybody that crosses this line, hey, even if it's an animal, you know, I don't care if your sheep crosses this line. You cross this line, you're dead. So everybody stays across that. I mean, who, who's going to cross that line, <laughs> right? So they're all standing there. This is how this begins. And then God shows up, and I mean, it is awesome. It It is Words can't even describe. You've got trumpet blast, earthquake, thick black billowing smoke coming off the mountain. It's shaking. It's awesome. It's fearsome. And the people literally are shaking in their boots. And they don't even want to see God. They don't even want to talk to God. They're like, Moses, you talk to him. We can't. You talk. Even Moses is terrified at the sight, okay? This is what happens on Mount Sinai. 
Now, the pastor of Hebrews contrasts that with Mount Zion. Mount Zion is another word for the city of Jerusalem. They're the same place, Mount Zion and Jerusalem. Okay? Mount Zion, this is where Jesus was crucified. This is where he hung on the cross and his blood was shed and he paid for the sins of humanity. This is why verse this is why verse 24 says that Jesus' blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. This is a reference back to the first two sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And you maybe know the story. Cain murdered his brother Abel in cold blood. And God told Cain, he said, hey, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's speaking to God. And here the pastor of Hebrews, he says that Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Why? Because the blood of Abel cried out for justice, but the blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness. Oh, come on. That's good, my friends. The blood of Abel cries out for justice. The blood of Jesus cries out for forgiveness. And the pastor of Hebrews says that the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And this Mount Zion, think about it, it could not be more different than Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is frightening. Mount Zion is festive. You've got angels dancing in joy and saints singing and like it's the church of the firstborn he calls it like it's a party on Mount Zion because the blood of Jesus has forgiven has covered all of these people involved on Mount Zion both mountains experience God one is terrifying the other is triumphant one you don't even really want to get close to God. There he is, but I don't want to get close to him. The other one, Mount Zion, not only do I want to get close to God, but like I, I mean, I can't wait to know him better. You know, we celebrate him. And the pastor of Hebrews says, the choice is now yours. Which mountain would you like to be a part of? He comes to verse 25 and he says, see to it that you don't refuse the one who is speaking. Does this ring any bells? I hope it does because that takes us right back to the very beginning of Hebrews. Remember our very first message in Hebrews a long time ago now, it seems. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, where verses 1 and 2 where in the past God spoke in all these different ways, but now he has spoken to us through his Son. And the whole point is that Jesus, the Son of God, is speaking to us. Will we listen to him? And now we come to the end of the sermon in Hebrews 12, and he brings us back to the same thought. Jesus is speaking. See to it that you don't miss it, that you don't refuse him who is speaking. Why? Because what Jesus has done will determine which mountain you're standing on. Will you be standing on Mount Sinai, shaking in your boots, terrified by the awesomeness and the judgment of God? 
or will you be dancing on Mount Zion, enjoying and celebrating the presence of God for all of eternity? Which one will you do? Well, the answer is you need to listen to Jesus. Are you listening to him? Because Jesus is talking. See, Jesus, the message that he's given us all through Hebrews is that Jesus is the only one qualified who can introduce you to God. You know how, I mean, so this brings us basically, this brings us to a good news, bad news scenario. The good news is this, everybody meets God. You know your friends that say all roads lead to heaven? They're partly right. All roads truly do lead to the very presence, the throne of the God of the universe. However, the bad news is it's not going to be pleasant for everyone. For some, it will be a day of rich reward, as Mount Zion depicts, a day of dancing and celebration and joy. For many others, it will be a day of doom and gloom, like Mount Sinai depicts. And the issue, my friend, is, a, is whether or not you will choose to receive Jesus as your Savior, whether or not you will choose to trust Jesus, keep your eyes on Jesus. Remember, remember, faith is not a decision that you make one time, but actually it's a daily decision you make to walk with Jesus, to trust in Jesus, to, to like put all of, your, um, all of your hope in Jesus because he's the only one who will get you to Mount Zion. He's the only one. So what will you do? The choice is yours. Friends, I can't say it more clearly. Um, as your pastor, I love you. I love you. And <clears throat> I want you to dance with me on Mount Zion when that day comes. I don't want you to miss it. And so as we close this message today, I want to give you the opportunity to pray with me and receive Jesus as your Savior. Just simply pray with me this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for saving us. Thank you for letting your blood be shed that I might be forgiven. I confess that I have sinned and I have done many wrong things and I have offended the God of the universe and that I deserve judgment. But Jesus, I humbly ask you today for your forgiveness and your cleansing. I pray that you make me right with God. And Jesus, I fix my eyes on you. Today, I trust you. And tomorrow, I want to trust you again. And the day after that, Jesus, I want to trust you again. And many years from now, Jesus, may I still be found trusting you. Thank you, Jesus. You're the best friend I could ever ask for. In your holy name I pray, amen. Okay, friends, I hope that you have a great week and I pray God's best on you today. Listen, if you would like to know more about walking with Jesus and being his friend, I would be honored to talk with you further. So send me an email, doug at newriverchurch.org. 
or call our church office, 860-648-2970, and I'd love to be able to chat with you. God bless you, friends. Have a great day. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like more encouragement or information about New River Church, check us out at newriverchurch.org.